0: Let's go to Psalm 82 tonight, please. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 82. It's a short one, just eight verses. And God has Asaph write Psalm 82 to denounce the corrupt governmental leaders who were in Israel. They were leaders during his lifetime, Asaph's lifetime, as well as those going forward. Things didn't change. And there's even application for us here today. Uh, Furthermore, it wouldn't be improper to extend the application of what we learn in this psalm to anyone who's in a leadership position. So there's a psalm here that has truth in it that's applicable to all of us because we are all affected by leadership, aren't we? And um, in a very real way, every single one of us are leaders. Leadership at its most basic level is simply influence on people. Do you have influence on people? You might not be a committee member here at church or a supervisor at work. or, But if you're a husband or a grandfather or a wife, even children, do they not have influence on their brothers and sisters and on their friends? Sure, they do. Um, we all have influence on others. And what is essential is that our influence is a good influence, um, reflecting God's character And thereby pointing people to him. Let's read Psalm 82. It says, God standeth in the congregation of the mighty, he judgeth among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah, defend the poor and fatherless, do justice to the afflicted and needy, deliver the poor and needy, rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness, and all the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, you are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. You shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shall inherit all nations. Let's pray. Father, as we come to your word tonight, this song you gave us through Asaph, um, relevant truth for us here. Uh, he might have written it thousands of years ago, but we're still dealing with a problem of uh, injustice and unrighteousness and wickedness and, and selfishness and sin in leadership. And God, I pray that you would teach us through your word here how to deal with that, how to make sure it's never true of us, and when we influence others in the various leadership roles you give us, I pray that we would do it in a way that reflects your character. And then, Lord, help us to even know how to deal with it when we're the recipients of uh, the effects of wicked leadership now. And finally, Lord, help us to never be so disillusioned that we lose sight of the promise of your return when we won't have to deal with this anymore. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It begins with a reality in verses 1 and 2, really two realities in the first two verses. The first one is the presence of God. Verse 1 reminds us of the omnipresence of God. And that reality should be a deterrent for selfish and sinful leadership, the fact that God is always present. And it should also be a comfort to those who might experience the effects of wicked leaders. The reality that's described here in verse 1 assures us that God is present at all times. And he's entirely aware of who is in charge and what they're doing. Um, Romans 13.1 also tells us the same. Even when we have bad leadership, which is, seems to be more often the case than not. Uh, it, yeah. Romans 13.1 says, there is no authority except from God. Right. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God there's another reality kind of implicit in there, and that's that our God is sovereign. And he knows what uh, is good for us and glorifying to him. And we know that he has a good for us and glorifying to him purpose, even when wicked leaders are currently in position. Everything that they do, good or bad, number one, is done in his presence with his awareness And then secondly, their leadership, good or bad, it will be governed by him. We have that promise. It will be governed by him for our good, for his glory, for his ultimate purposes. Now, the end of verse 1 might seem a little confusing because it says that God judgeth among the gods. And you might say, wait, I thought there was only one God? There is. And some modern translations put um, this small g, gods, in, in quotes, That's because in the highly poetic language of the Psalms, it would be a very natural thing for any human governmental leader, especially those who are entrusted with the administration of justice and with reflecting God's character of justice. It would be natural for them to be referred by this term, small g, gods. And and that usage is not only here. We find it in Exodus 21.6, 22.8, 21.6, 22.8, 9, other scriptures, that very same term in the Hebrew is used as a description for human governmental leaders who were responsible for administering justice. And so we're reminded in that last phrase of verse 1 that God judges among the small g gods. We're reminded that any power that they have, they have only because of his sovereign permission. And they should use it in a way that reflects his character. And accomplishes his purposes. Now, do they? No, No. (laughs) they do not. And so we're introduced to the second reality in verse 2 there is partiality in government. You know the truth of that old maxim absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Uh, And the fact of the matter is that just because of the sinfulness of man, often any kind of power whatsoever. It doesn't have to be absolute. Any kind of power has the propensity to cause men to rule over others uh, with selfish and and sinful motivations and means. And listen, it happens on both sides of the aisle, and it's sad, and it's disgusting. And we see this reality that's described in verse 2. God is talking here. He's saying, How long will you judge unjustly? How long will you accept the persons of the wicked? Um, it was very common in Asaph's day. God, the ultimate judge, is now saying this to people he has put in positions where they're to judge and they're to administer justice. And it's prevalent in our day and age, too. This phrase, uh, accept the persons of the wicked, it has a parallel in the New Testament. 1 Peter 1.17, where we're told that God the Father, he judges without respect to persons In James 2 1 as Jesus followers we are told that as Christians we should we should never live out our faith with partiality but does that happen with many of our governmental leaders from local to federal it does it's a reality as much as the first reality in verse one that God is present and he's aware of their leading this way And because God's not pleased with this, verses 3 to 7 record his continued message here to the leaders who do lead this way. We see a rebuke from God. There's a demand in verses 3 and 4. Uh, God says, Defend and deliver. (laughs) Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and the needy. Deliver the poor and the needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. So that's what God's expectation is of those he has at the very least allowed. I think the Bible's a lot stronger than that. It's not just an allowing. Of those he has sovereignly positioned as our civil leaders. That's his expectation, that they would defend and deliver. And this, again, this applies not just to the president or senators or county commissioners. It applies to uh, anyone in any leadership position, whether that's at home or in the church or at work uh, we're told who we as leaders have a God-ordained responsibility to defend and deliver next the poor and the fatherless and the afflicted and the needy and deliver them from what? Well out of the hand of the wicked It, it is God's design that those he has placed in leadership positions in all spheres of life, from the basic family unit, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, to church, to community leaders, to state, federal. It's his design that they would be his voice (laughs) and they would be his hands to defend and deliver those who are suffering at the hands of wicked fallen men in this wicked fallen world and there's a reality we hadn't specifically addressed earlier we we live in a sinful fallen world don't we yeah abuses of power and selfish acts of leaders they are and will be a reality but God has placed these leaders where he has placed them to fight against that and to mitigate that reality until the day comes when it isn't a reality we're gonna have to face anymore that's his expectation And the reason for this rebuke, this demand here, um, verses 5 to 7 have God informing us of their response, the response of the leaders to this rebuke. It's rarely positive. (laughs) They don't usually obey what God has said in verses 3 and 4. Instead, we see their disobedience to his demand. God, in fact, says in verse 5 that these wicked, unjust leaders, they won't listen. They don't know. They don't understand his demand. And I would say that that's not because of an intellectual incapability, because most of them are pretty smart. But it's a moral one. Not a head problem. Like they can't understand. It's a heart problem. They refuse to understand. And whether this would be somebody who has an elephant behind their name or a donkey or anything else, when I can watch... A Supreme Court nominee who cannot answer a question as simple as, what is a woman? Right. They know not, neither will they understand, and they walk on in darkness. Harvard educated. It's not that she doesn't know what one is. She's refusing to answer. And this is somebody who's supposed to be the end level judge. Judge. Administering justice. We have wicked leadership. Psalm 82 is very applicable in our day. They walk in darkness, it says. Literally, the blind are leading the blind. That's a fair description of a significant part of our leaders today. And I don't want to get too sidetracked here, but let me just add this one consideration. (laughs) I'm 47, right? Almost 48? All right. (laughs) In In my lifetime... And in my knowledge of history, and Ray's not here for me to ask him, I don't know about you, but I have never witnessed such a dearth of strong moral leadership. Can't find it. I mean, it is practically non-existent uh, worldwide. I mean, even when, when we might not have had significantly strong leaders in our own state or in our own country, there were usually someone else. And in one of our allied nations, who was stronger than whoever we had, or, or even one on the horizon, we are just like, one more year, two more years, we can vote, and there's hope. And currently, I don't see anyone anywhere. I don't see any ahead. Don't despair, because let me just say, what a perfect environment for someone who has even a basic, I mean, baseline, adequate level of leadership qualities isn't that the perfect environment for them to convince the entire world to follow me and do whatever I say to unite around me? I think it's an interesting possibility, and I believe it's soon to happen. I want you to look at the end of verse 5 for what happens when this situation goes unaddressed, and its it could be a summary of our day and age. All the foundations are out of course. Leadership is important. When people don't lead how God wants them to lead when they don't reflect His character of justice and righteousness. It seems like all the foundations of the earth are out of course. That's, I don't think that's uh, exaggerative or, or hyperbolic. That's exactly the effect of leaders who have no regard for God, be it in government or in our churches or in our workplaces or in our homes. It's terrible. Everything's out of order. It's topsy-turvy. Good is called evil, and evil is called good, and nothing makes sense. It feels like the very foundations. You can't rely on anything anymore. And and the the dissonance that creates in our heads and our hearts, it has a very disorienting effect on everyone. And that's what sin does, though, doesn't it? It creates chaos, causes chaos. And then verse 6, it has God saying to these wicked leaders who are currently ruling with injustice and are currently disobeying his gracious rebuke, I have said you are, again, small g gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. And the message here is that God is saying to them, I have placed you in your lofty leadership positions, and you ought to never forget the initial reality of verse 1. It should be for you a motivation to lead according to God's word and his will. Administering justice that reflects his character of justice and never, never leading for selfish gain. I'm looking at verse 7, it's a reminder to them that regardless of their God ordained leadership positions, they are men. How do we say it? They put their pants on one leg at a time, just like everyone else. So, So humility before God and before man, and in their service to God and man, it's in order. Because they shall die. That's so what it says there. They shall die like all other men and fall like one of the princes. And the truth is they ought to be even more aware of their own mortality and fallenness and need for God. Their dependence on God. Because the truth from God's word is that like any leader, they will be held to a higher standard by God. The request closes like most Psalms do. <laughs> with some hope. The prayer request is what this request is, for an end to injustice. Jesus himself taught his disciples then, and we just went over this on Sunday evenings a little while ago. He teaches his disciples now to pray this way, just like verse 8. Doesn't he? In the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come. That's the message of verse 8 for us. Out of a heart that's worn (laughs) and weary, by the prevalence of injustice among leaders in this fallen world, our prayer should be Asaph's prayer. Arise, O God, and judge the earth. And there's a picture here in this phrase. I'm not a fan of courtroom dramas. I've never liked them. My mom used to make me sit and watch Perry Mason and Metlock, and it was boring to me. And I know some, she likes movies like that sometimes. And I don't know. And I've only been in court once. We won't go into that. So I'm not sure if this is how it, it is done now. But back then, the standard for, um, was for the judge to arise when he gave his verdict and when he pronounced judgment. And so verse 8 is calling out here when it says, arise, O oh God. Uh, it's calling out and encouraging us to cry out to God in prayer for that day when there will be an end to injustice. And the second part of verse 8, for an eternity of justice. For thou shalt judge the nations. So we're told to pray for that day, thy kingdom come, that day when the single exclusive judge will be Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be good? No injustice there. No selfishness there. Jesus promised to be that for us in John 5, 22. It says, the Father judges no one, but he's entrusted all judgment to the Son. And the single exclusive ruler in that day will be God the Father. 1 Corinthians 15, 24 tells us that. It holds out that hope for us, even tonight. Then the end will come when Jesus hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. That wasn't ruling how they were supposed to rule. An eternity of justice. Doesn't that sound good? And so the application of Psalm 82's lessons in leadership for us are, are these. First of all, leaders in any arena, they are placed by God and they are expected by God to reflect his character of justice and righteousness in their leadership. And we need to do our part to place leaders like this in positions of leadership and to pray for them to lead this way. We're told to in God's word, 1 Timothy 3, uh, 2, I'm sorry, and and we're, and we're to hold them accountable to do so. And... Secondly, because there's always going to be a perfect lack of leadership in our fallen world, it's important that we never allow ourselves to become disillusioned to the point where our faith is shaken. Um, we have an ultimate sovereign, and we should rest in his faith, or rest in faith in his grace. And we need to be praying for and looking forward to that day When he comes to reign, when he will end in justice, when he'll deliver an eternity of perfect peace. So I'll have the praise team come up. I think a good way to do that would be by doing it in song tonight. Tommy and the praise team, if you can come up and lead us in a couple songs that will set